When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And we're the hosts of the Anxiety Chicks podcast, where we dive deep into the reality of anxiety, nutrition, and mental health. Listen as we explore all things anxiety healing while keeping it real, including our own struggles with mental health. We'll bring our expertise as healing professionals to the conversation while discussing the tools and strategies you need to heal the anxious mind. Listen to the Anxiety Chicks on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinera. And unfortunately, Taylor's not here this week. But don't worry, you guys. We have an amazing guest today talking all about a topic that I've gotten requests for, which is inner child work. We haven't tapped into that before. I'm so pumped to have Georgie Collinson here today. Hello, Georgie. Hi, Allison. It's such a pleasure to be here. It's so exciting to have you here. And if any of you haven't followed her yet on Instagram, you're going to have to do that. She'll tell you all about how to get in touch with her, but she is an expert. I'm going to read a little bio about her because she's been through so much stuff and has gone through a lot of training as a therapist. So let me just get her bio out of the way because it is incredible. Okay. Georgie Collinson is Australia's number one anxiety therapist specializing in high functioning anxiety. She's known for her entirely holistic mind, body, soul approach, uniquely drawing upon her experience and skills as an anxiety mindset coach, hypnotherapist, and naturopath and nutritionist. She's helped hundreds of clients worldwide through her online programs to master their anxious mind and her new book, Anxiety Reset Method, which will be released in the U.S. in November. Yay! She's deeply committed to helping type A perfectionists stop struggling with anxiety and crippling self-doubt so they can create the resilience they need to thrive with confidence and awaken their inner calm. I mean, we couldn't have a more perfect guest for this podcast. That, I mean, honestly, that, <laughs> this is going to be incredible. I, I mean, honestly, and high functioning anxiety, I know it's not necessarily a clinical term, but something I talk about so much on my page too. So welcome, Georgie. Oh, thank you for that amazing introduction. I appreciate it. Of course. So I'd love to know a little bit more before we dive into kind of the high functioning anxiety and our child work. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you kind of got to this place of your training and everything? Yeah. So look, for me, it all started with my own experience of anxiety, of course. <laughs> yep. As a, yep. So I always had this drive to be perfect, I suppose, that started to come out, particularly in my teen years, particularly around high school, getting good grades, all of that kind of thing, really wanting to give that external impression that I had everything all together. And that kind of worked okay for me. 
until later down the track, my parents got divorced and that just sent anxiety for me into a whole other zone of how do I control life? Because everything's just gone out of control. Everything I did became about trying to bring back a state of calm to my life that just felt completely like it had just all gone the wrong way for me. And I woke up every single morning telling myself this story that it had all gone wrong and it shouldn't be this way. And that anxiety would just wake me with a jolt until it just became a pattern and a habit for a number of years. And those traits of high functioning anxiety, you know, the perfectionism is a a huge one, like really wanting to control everything, not go off the plan. Um, Feeling like, honestly, you've got to put up this big image that you are a capable functioning adult, but not just that, that you're winning at everything, that you're doing really well and succeeding. And it's exhausting. And that remained with me, even if I didn't feel the anxiety itself in this intensity all the time. So I'd have waves of anxiety and times where I'd get overwhelmed by things and wake up with anxiety, but then it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, always there that I was aware of. It was more like this chronic low grade anxiety and really being up in my head, overanalyzing that kind of thing. And so I realized, particularly with my training as a naturopath and a nutritionist, I was led into that because I one of the ways I was finding control was my body. So maybe if I have the perfect body and I eat all the right foods, I will be happy and I'll be loved and life will be great and I'll feel really good. And that's great because that led me into studying and learning about nutrition and naturopathy, which gave me a really holistic overview of how the body works, how our nervous system works, our hormones, our gut health, the interplay of everything. But ultimately I could see how this chronic stress and the way that anxiety played out for me was this one thing I just couldn't get on top of in terms of taking care of my health. You know, I always still had these gut issues. I always had hormone imbalances, things that were impacting me month to month with my cycle that I was like this anxiety piece. I just can't really get at at that deeper level. And so that's when I went on with further exploration and looked at the subconscious mind, inner child healing. I became a clinical hypnotherapist as well. And That gave me, along with my mindset coaching, just this whole other tool that we can go so much deeper into those fears and where it's all coming from, this general sense of I'm not safe. And that's pretty much the story and how I ended up working with this and finding those answers for myself, figuring out how to remind, how to really get the message through at the deep level that we're not in a rush and everything's going to work out in its own time. Yeah. And I'm okay. And I'm enough as are you and as are all of us. Oh my gosh, for sure. And I appreciate you sharing all that because I think anyone listening and me, I can relate to you so much. Um, I feel like you were kind of talking about me growing up and just my perfectionism and type A and having struggling with my gut issues for so long, knowing that they're connected to my anxiety now and just understanding more about holistic ways to help myself. And I'm so curious because you mentioned hypnotherapy 
And I haven't necessarily ever done hypnosis in the way that um, I know that it can be so effective. But I've also heard that hypnosis is sort of more just of a kind of more structured meditation, maybe. I don't know if that's right or not, but I'd love for you to talk and tell us a little bit more about that training and hypnotherapy and how that helps with anxiety. Yeah, that is such a great question. I'm so glad you brought that up around, you know, seeing, understanding what hypnosis is, because I think that's the first bit that can scare people a little bit. I mean, hey, we're already dealing with anxiety. We don't need more to be afraid of. It's this sense of, oh my God, am I, am I going to be controlled by someone? Are they going to control my mind? And that can often stop us from wanting to go and seek this support. And you have hit the nail on the head by saying meditation. That is sometimes I've had clients I've worked with where we just say meditation the whole time, even though I'm bringing them into a state of hypnosis. It's just a deeply relaxed state. It's an alpha brainwave state. So when we're thinking and we're conscious, like you and me talking right now, we're in a beta brainwave state. It's our conscious mind. We're analyzing, putting things together, but there's also this element with the conscious beta brainwave state where we can talk about things and you might have all these awarenesses about your childhood and about why you might be having this anxiety and experiencing it. It's like, well, like I never really felt safe as a kid or I didn't feel emotionally safe as the other big one as well. Um, at times, sometimes we can, we did sometimes and sometimes not other times. And so with this, we have the, awareness, but it doesn't always change how we feel. We can sort of say, well, I know I'm safe, but like, I don't feel safe in my body. My mind keeps telling me I'm not safe. Like looking around, I've got four walls. I've got a roof over my head. I've got food in the fridge, you know, but I I don't feel safe. And so when we move into that alpha brainwave state, we're in a place where we can actually let those deeper ideas go in. When you hear I am safe, you accept it in a whole other way because it's kind of like this protective mechanism. Our inner critic goes to sleep and we can really let in beliefs that serve us. The other key part is breaking down and breaking through those old limiting beliefs that are holding us back. Ideas that usually it's all around, am I enough as a person or am I lovable? Am I worthy? And all of that it sounds like it's not connected to anxiety but it, and our sense of safety, but it really is. It's all about how enough you feel, how capable you feel, your own inner power. And so that's what we go and claim back for you in this kind of work, which is really amazing. Gosh, so incredible. Now, I don't know if it's possible for you to do this now because it might be a case-by-case basis, but is there any type of structure to hypnosis or how does it look specifically? Is it yes. different? or is- So I will just mention as well that the form of hypnotherapy, because you mentioned, you know, you've done some hypnotherapy. The form that I practice is called RTT. That stands for rapid transformational therapy. So it isn't standard uh, hypnotherapy. It's an, a new upgraded version of hypnotherapy where we're incorporating things like you might've heard of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. So all of that is woven into this beautiful process using 
this amazing effect we get when we are in the alpha brainwave state and we can let those ideas in. So in terms of how it works, I get that question a lot in terms of like, can you hypnotize me right now? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could, Alison, but, um, and, and that is some a way you can practice this is self-hypnosis. And there is a process. So what you do to start off with is you want to, look up as high as you possibly can looking up at your own eyebrows. It looks really funny. I'll demonstrate it for you now, but you're looking up at your own eyebrows like this. If I hold it right now, I'm going to get sleepy though. So I'm not going to do it for too long so I can keep thinking. And then we take three breaths in and out. So breathing in, breathing out three times. And on that third breath out, while we're holding our gaze up, looking up as high as we can, you do feel a strain in your eyeballs and that is what's helping bring your brain really quickly into this alpha brainwave state. It's actually mimicking what we do when we're asleep. It's bringing you into like a deep sleepy state. It's actually an amazing one when you can't sleep to do at night. It'll bring you into a sleep much more readily. And then on the third breath out, as you're breathing out, you slowly close your eyelids down. Now, I will say if anyone's listening to this podcast driving, don't definitely don't do this. Yes, thank you for saying that. <laughs> Taking those regular precautions, uh, but you'll be looking, you'll be uh, just as you wouldn't take a meditation uh, in the car. Right. But essentially on the third breath out, you'll be slowly closing your eyelids down while looking up. And that's the trick because your eyelids start to flutter and they are mimicking our REM sleep stage. So when we're dreaming, we tend to have our eyes kind of, our eyelids are fluttering like that. So sending a powerful message to the brain to relax, to go deep. And at that point, there are a few more things that you can say to yourself or you might hear on a recording. I have a hypnotherapy library where people can go and check this out and try it as well. But Basically, you're, you just tell yourself to relax and go deeper and then you visualize 10 steps and you tilt your chin down, you see the 10 steps or you'll be guided by me or someone in <laughs> to take, this, take, take these 10 steps and with every step you take, you're just going deeper and deeper and you can literally give yourself those suggestions. You can say to yourself, I'm going deeper and deeper as I take each step. I'm taking step 10. Now I'm taking step nine. I can feel my feet landing on the step. It's all about bringing the visuals really clearly and then when we get to the bottom of the steps, that's when we're in that state of hypnosis and you can start telling your mind how you want to feel. You can let those beliefs in. I think a huge one for us as women is believing that we're beautiful, believing that we are lovable and not having that inner critic come in and say, no, you're not. What about the pimple on your face? What about those wrinkles? Like just really letting that in and feeling and experiencing what it would be like to really embody that and know that you are a beautiful loved human being. And we can create all sorts of, you know, real ways, tangible ways of seeing your life in that way. So seeing yourself living life as a calm person who really senses that, you know, they've got that confidence within. What's different about your day? What are you saying differently? How are you being differently? Are you doing certain behaviors to 
check and make sure you're going to be okay? Or are you just damn well walking down the street and going to that job interview or asking for the pay rise or, you know, doing whatever it is that you would do if this anxiety wasn't holding you back? And we make it so real that the, the mind doesn't know the difference. And the trouble is with anxiety, half the time we're visualizing the worst case scenario and everything going wrong. So that's essentially the process of a session when you want to self do self-hypnosis. And I will say too, Alison, that hypnosis is always you hypnotizing yourself, which I think is really comforting for people to hear. You are choosing to respond to the suggestions. You're allowing for, you know, you're, you, there's an element of trust, like trusting that the person's there to, with your best interest at heart. But ultimately, it's you letting that in. It's you saying, okay, I'm going to hear the words and now I'm going to look up and now I'm going to take the deep breath. So you are in control in that, in that process, which is really nice to know. That sounds so incredible. And for anyone listening, I did not do that as she was talking to me because I do want to stay in my, what, am I, am I beta stage right now? Is that what yes. I meant? Yes, I want to stay in that so I can be present with you. But can I just tell you that even your voice, you have such a calming voice that even just explaining that to me, I was like, I would love for her to to be my hypnotherapist. Like <laughs> you, I'm sure you get that a lot because you have such a calming and sweet voice. Um, and then as I was imagining and visualizing doing that, you know, I can, I can almost feel that I would definitely get into that myself. I know myself and I would love something like that. The, um, you know, the tip about looking up, I actually have never heard that before. Oh, it's a really great one to be able to use that. As I said, you can use it to hypnotize yourself. And like, if you say, you say you did have a job interview coming up or some kind of thing where you know, it's a specific event, or maybe it's just social anxiety about going to a, a party or a wedding or something, you can visualize and choose to visualize and imagine what it would be like if it all went right. You're speaking clearly, people get you, people are excited to see you. You're really going into that opposite and to know what to kind of imagine, just go to the opposite of what you're afraid of. You know, are they going to judge me? What are they thinking? So they love you. They're so happy to talk to you. People find you interesting. And then we can, we can really shift the visual athletes. You that use this all the time. They visualize themselves winning the race and improve their performance. It's amazing. It's so it's so interesting that you just mentioned like visualization because I do actually often do visualizations as part of my part of my meditations through um, the Insight Timer app. That's yeah. one of my favorite apps for meditations, and I do find visualization meditations way more effective for me um, as far as as far as you know, even um, relationship wise or with my career. Listening to some guided meditations about visualizing those things really is more helpful for me, which totally makes sense now that you're saying that. It's so true. And I, and it's all just about, we are so powerful with what we can do with our mind, which it's just a tool. We can use our mind instead of it being this thing that uses us. We can start to, you know, grab the reins of the horse and say, Hey, come this way. No, we're not going down that path of spiraling and worrying about all the things that could go wrong here. We're actually going to imagine what if it all goes right. 
And that's really powerful because then we create the feelings that we want to feel. We start to feel more calm or more uh, excited even. You know, it's that shift from anxious about something to excited about it. Our mind, our body doesn't know the difference between excitement or anxiety. And so often we can really just say, okay, I'm really excited about this job interview. I'm really excited about going to this party and shifting what we're telling our body. Are we telling it that this is wrong and we shouldn't be feeling this? Or do we start shifting into that? No, this is a good thing. I'm excited. Yeah. I think I actually have started doing that the past couple of days because I'm actually leaving tomorrow for California and I'm in Philadelphia. So um, that's a five hour flight, you know, five to six hour flight. And I haven't been on an airplane in like 10 years. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah. So I'm like thinking maybe this actually would help me. And I've started sort of getting more excited than nervous because I don't really, I have travel anxiety anyway, you know, but now I'm thinking this could be another tool for me. for traveling. And you can even practice the self-hypnosis and have a little nap on the plane. Yes. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. I'm not even kidding. I'm going to share this on my stories right after this. We're done recording because I've been sharing my anxiety around this trip with everybody. And yes, I'm definitely going to share this. It's amazing. Even just visualizing yourself arriving and like having fun when you get there and how exciting it will be when the plane lands. It gets your mind out of the oh God, we've got to get through this whole thing, right? Let's skip to the finish line and the reason why you're doing this as well. And then, yeah, the excitement builds even more. Totally. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I feel like I want to dive deeper into even, you said it's called rapid transformation, transformative therapy. Yeah, almost rapid transformational therapy, RTT. Which can be, I mean, I said, I always explain that. And there's just so many, you know, it's RTT, CBT, NLP. (laughs) It's just amazing and it works. (laughs) Exactly. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how maybe this connects to um, the inner child work. Mm -hmm. um, And, and also what is that connection with anxiety as well? And um, what it even looks like, because I have done my fair share of inner child work. Um, I have actually, I learned a lot about it from Dr. Nicola Perra. She's the holistic mm. psychologist. Oh, she Incredible. is so wonderful. Yeah, Love she's her. one of, she's amazing, right? And she's actually from Philadelphia, which is not far from where I am. So I've known her for a while and her book is like life changing. She talks a lot about inner child work too. And so I'd love to hear, um, you know, what framework you work on with inner child work and how that kind of. If you're anything like me and you work for yourself, or maybe you work at home and you get sidetracked where hours just pass by so fast and you forget it's time to eat until you're absolutely starving and you find yourself grabbing the easiest thing, stop right there and let me get you into Factor. Factor is America's number one ready to eat meal kit. It helps fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. With Factor, you skip the trip to the grocery store, skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, and yet you still get all the nutritional quality you need to function properly. 
Factor meals are fresh, never frozen, and meals are ready in just two minutes. All you have to do is take it out of your fridge, heat, and enjoy. My favorite part, half biased because I am one, is that they are approved by dietitians and also prepared by chefs. You get to choose from 34 plus weekly options featuring premium ingredients such as broccolini, truffle butter, and asparagus. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus add-ons including breakfast items like their delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites and potato, bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Don't forget their cold pressed juices shakes, and smoothies. Head to factormeals.com slash anxietychicks50 and use code anxietychicks50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code anxietychicks50 at factormeals.com slash anxietychicks50 to get 50% off your first box. next to hypnosis maybe yeah of course so when you have someone guiding you through an rtt session or when i guide my clients what we can do as well is this element called regression and so once we're at the bottom of the steps and we've gotten ourselves into that deep relaxed state we can actually ask the subconscious mind where this anxiety is coming from and it will start to bring up memories ideas, scenes from usually when we were a little kid. And even if they, even if I'm working with someone and they bring up only something from their twenties, I'll say, go on, go back, go deeper, go further back. And because so much of this anxiety is established in those formative years between the ages of zero and seven, our brain is just a sponge and we're absorbing all these ideas about the world, about who we are in it, how capable we are, how strong we are, uh, what emotions are and how to deal with them. Often we're kind of told that we're too sensitive and we feel too much or there's just no space for emotional expression, but we all have emotions. So as little kids, we learn, well, there's something wrong with me. I can't control these waves of emotion. Well, you're a little kid and you've got, you cannot regulate your own nervous system. You need an adult a loving, stable presence in your life to come over and give you a cuddle and help you to calm down. As children, we need that. And when we don't have that enough as little kids, we grow up into adults who are still believing and can regress back into that childlike state of like, I want my mom, you know, and I'm helpless and I can't deal with this. And that's no judgment. There's no shame around that. Like we all have an inner child and we will all regress back into those childlike patterns at times. I can do it too, even though I've done a lot of this work, uh, but it's noticing it and being able to speak to and love that part of you. So anxiety really is a scared little kid within you. And often what we do when we're feeling really stressed and anxious is we want to beat ourselves up. Or we say, you know, oh, I'm feeling anxious again. What's wrong with me? I'm being so sensitive or right. That inner critic comes in. And what would a little child do if we said that to a kid? you know, get it together. And and maybe that's what happened as well to us. Maybe that's how we were parented being told, you know, just, Oh, like 
I don't have time for this. Mum's busy or dad's dad can't can't handle this right now. Um, I'm on a work call, right? <laughs> Whatever it might be. It can be the subtle things too. And we learn this message that my emotions are inconvenient, I'm inconvenient, or I'm not important. And we start to question what's wrong with us. So anxiety is an opportunity for us to speak to that scared part and start to love on it real hard. Like bring back in all the love that you needed when you were a kid, because as an adult, guess what? You can give it to yourself. And we can, it's not about hyper-independence. It's not about like never having love and, and, compliments and support from other people around you. We're allowed that too. But if you can also really give it to yourself, you know, you, you look in the mirror every morning, you say, go get it, girl. You look amazing. What a gorgeous creature you are. Um, that really shifts the fear because all of a sudden, like you're on your own side, you're helping yourself through life rather than feeling this split where, you're, you've got this voice in you that's constantly criticizing you and telling you all the ways that you're not good enough, all your flaws and why you probably won't have the things that you want. So when we heal that in a child, when we speak to it, it is so powerful. We are creating a more loving state in our bodies and our mind. And when we do that, we're in the opposite state of anxiety. Love is the opposite of fear, which is really Nice to know. I love that. Oh my gosh. So well said. And something you mentioned that I think is probably one of my favorite exercises that connects to inner child work is mirror work. Mm. And so you mentioned waking up and looking in the mirror and saying these things. And it's, it's something I do and I practice with my clients a lot and, and give them, you know, a little, a little task in between sessions to try and practice certain coping statements and self-love statements in the mirror. And it can feel really uncomfortable at first, you know? Um, but after you get over kind of the, the kind of discomfort a little bit, it is so powerful. Yeah. So true. I, there's one exercise and I have this in my book as well, but I get clients to write a letter to themselves (laughs) full of praise, full of like, I'm so proud of you for this. Um, How wonderful you did this. You know, you're a really great person. You've got a beautiful heart. You've got a beautiful soul starting to get used to and practice connecting to praising yourself and supporting yourself and being that parent to yourself. And then we, so we write the letter to ourselves. Then I get them to record it, voice record it. And that's a whole other piece. And then, and then that's, there's a third part. We listen to our own recording for a whole week, just listening to your voice, actually telling you, you know, you're a great person and I love you. And it's excruciating for people, Alison, (laughs) as I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so incredible. I, 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 so I actually, in my book also write a little bit about the inner child work and I actually provide some meditations and visualizations that, um, 
suggest that the person reading it record in their own voice and then listen to those meditations in their own voice too. So you're like one of the only other people I've ever talked to that, that practices that too with their clients and themselves. It's so powerful to hear your own voice telling you those things, you know? And sending a signal like your inner world, like the voice in your head is safe and can be utilized to create this beautiful haven that when you close your eyes, instead of it being this black spiral of nothingness and, and fear and, oh my God, it's the endless abyss, it can become your refuge. It can become the place where you go to recharge and really reconnect with yourself. And if we have a practice of that, so like closing the eyes and speaking to yourself kindly that's pretty much like as simple as we can get with it, but it can help as well to have certain practices to follow. Like another simple one is just having a photograph of yourself as a child. Yeah. Seeing that little girl and knowing that that or little boy and knowing that that's you, uh, that's who you're talking to when you say, you know, you're a piece of shit or whatever you might say, like, how could you do this again? You're so stupid. And if we're, if we kind of think about it a bit, usually we'll know that, notice that you didn't come up with those words by yourself. Who taught you that language? Who taught you to speak to yourself that way? And either it was said to you or modeled around you as well. You saw parents, um, you know, a classic one is seeing your own mother look in the mirror dissatisfied with her body and saying, oh, you know, I look so fat. And then we internalize that and we start to go, oh, maybe I look fat. I don't want to look fat. And so we can have that. It can be subtler as well. And I just like to make that distinction because I think a lot of us listen and we're like, I didn't have any major stuff happen in my childhood. You know, I had a great childhood. And yes, that may be true, but also there are experiences that shape us and they can be subtle, not necessarily like a car accident or going to a war zone that creates this trauma, It can be those micro moments to watching your own mother dissatisfied with her body is a micro trauma. You know, it has an impact that then might, you know, at worst lead into a full blown eating disorder as well. Totally. It's so interesting how, how I'm thinking of my own life as you're talking about this. And I'm recognizing now that, um, there are so many subtle traumas that I had with my, body image and eating patterns from my parents. Um, My mom has a very um, dysfunctional relationship with food still. And I learned more about her life when she was little and she got called chubby and all this stuff. I'm learning a lot more about that as an adult, but recognizing as a kid, so many things at the dinner table and comments and stuff I heard from her. But then also remembering that my dad used to make a lot of fat jokes about people. And he was one of the best, he, he passed last year, but he was one of the best men I've ever known. He is so kind. He would never, ever say anything like that to anyone's face or, you know, um, was always just so patient with people. I mean, he would volunteer with special needs camps and stuff like he such a good man, but he used to make these subtle, like fat jokes sometimes. And I remember we all would sit back and say, what are you doing? Stop. He's like, I'm just kidding. Sorry. You know? And even those, it wasn't a lot, but even now I'm remembering, wow, he did. He made those when I was little and there, you know, I have such a, um, you know, my, my relationship with food is not 
is healthier now, but still just thinking about that pattern and how that's followed me. You know, I'm like 42 and I still look in the mirror. I still definitely have disordered eating and a disordered body image. And, um, you know, I, I, again, not about, we say this a lot on our podcast. This is not about placing blame, you know, on your parents because they did the best with what they had. Like I said, my mom also had, when she was little, my dad struggled too. And he was little. So, um, it's just about like getting more information about where things came from. Exactly. Um, You know, and so that helps me put it in perspective a little bit, you know? Yeah, that's such a great example to share because it just shows the subtleties of this. And I think we can all have some kind of example, like here's someone you loved and who's a great person, but equally there were these moments that may be a a massive factor in, in how your relationship with your food and body is now. And just looking at the anxiety that that can create too, it's that little moment of, well, if, if I, if my body changed, if I put on weight, like, would dad still love me? Would I become a joke to him? And that brings into question our sense of belonging. And if that comes into question and we're not sure we're going to be accepted by our family tribe, we literally will do anything to make sure that we, like you, you kind of picked up a message there of like, if I need to stay in this tribe and belong to this group, I cannot become overweight. I have to make sure I take care of my, like, make sure my body stays a certain way. Um, otherwise I'll be rejected. And to the, the brain that's like death. You know, if I'm, if I'm rejected from the group, I'm not going to survive. So it's a real survival thing to keep us in that. And understanding all of this, it's like, okay, like it's not, I thought it was all about the food, you know, (laughs) but it's, I know, right. No, it's trying to fit in. 100%. Yeah. And even now that I'm thinking about this more, it's almost if I'm overweight, then yeah, I'm not accepted and I'm ugly and I'm gross. And like, that's just what comes to my mind right now. If that, if that, you know, were to happen. Um, And what does really overweight in my mind mean, right? It's like so different for everybody. And just because I, it's just so clear in my body and my own body when I don't feel comfortable in it. And it's not even, you know, now that I think about it, it's like if I gain like five pounds. So, I mean, and I'm working on all this in therapy, so it's not, you know, something I'm just like letting go. But I think that I'm learning more now that my self-worth I'm trying to detach it from just my physical appearance, appearance, if that makes sense. I'm trying to understand more of my value and worth, not just because of my body, because of a lot of other things too, and loving my body for like what it's given me so far. Um, Like not to go into this whole body image topic, but something that just helps is really talking to my body and telling it that I love my body. And I mean, kind of similar to, to talking to yourself in the mirror, right? Like with that child, like compassion to my body and myself instead of just automatically, honestly, my entire life, I'd pass a mirror and I'd be like, ew, you look gross. Like that would just be the automatic thought that would come to me. I'm trying to shift that, you know? And, and honestly, like that part of you that feels unsafe or like you can't be just relaxed and let it go with food and your body and just trust your body is going to take care of itself. That's the scared little girl. Like it's the same thing. And so 
it's bringing love and compassion. Like what did she need to hear in that moment when the fat joke was happening? Did she need to hear, hey, but honey, like you are so lovable. I'll love you no matter what. You don't ever have to earn my love. You'll always be loved. And just hearing that and imagining embodying that feeling of knowing that you are loved no matter what you do, no matter how productive you are, no matter how you look, no matter your age, your size, no matter the bank account that you have, like you're enough and you are loved. Oh, that's the relief. That's where we can quell so much anxiety. So, you know, a simple practice of this can be just closing your eyes in the morning or during a meditation um, or through your day, if you feel some anxiety come up and just allowing yourself to say kind words to you, you know, really inviting that in because you can do it. And I think a lot of people feel like they can't because it's because so, it's unfamiliar. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable, yeah. you know, to say, I love you to yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people yeah. get cringe about that. And that's okay. Keep going. That's normal. So let's keep going. I also think that you can never say that I love you or you're, you are enough just as you are, or you're beautiful just as you are. I don't think you can ever hear it or say it enough. Mm. Like, honestly, I say that to the parents that I work with, with their children too, you know, trying to find them do, you know, I call it find, find them doing something good, you know, and I don't think with any, it's so easy as, as an adult to think of with a child. Yeah. I mean, you can never say enough how proud of you, how proud of them you are or how much you love them. Right. Yeah. Like you could just always say it. And so that's so true with our adult selves. I mean, literally there's not enough times you can say it, you know, just keep letting yourself know that, that you're loved and that you're, you're beautiful as you are and that you're enough. I mean, just hearing that and saying that I have a couple post-its around my, my house that say those things too. So I can visually see it a lot of times because the visual things for me is really helpful. And so, I think, yeah, I, I mean, we can't say it enough because we're also surrounded by a society and messages all around us reminding us that we're not enough in some way. You know, you need to get these fake eyelashes because your normal eyelashes aren't good enough or whatever it is. That's how we get sold to. And that's how, you know, consumerism works as well. So it's, it's, it's finding a vulnerability in you, making you feel like you need something else other than what you are. So if we always come back to knowing that the, the absolute truth, no matter what your stories are that you've layered on top of that truth and covered it up from yourself, the truth is that you are enough as you are. So in any moment that you're feeling separate from that, it's like you can at least have this awareness in this moment of, well, I know the truth is I am enough. I know that no matter what work I produce or, you know, what I do or what I say, I am a valuable, worthy, enough human being. We can remind ourselves, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing the truth right now that I am enough. And even that can start to bridge us there. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, I feel like I just had my own therapy session with you. <laughs> How much do I owe you? I mean, really, I love, I love everything that you said. And I think being able to really understand more about yourself is always a good thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and how it can be uncomfortable and just to kind of stick with it, right? Inner child work is is probably one of the most uncomfortable things I've worked on in therapy and with myself because it really is getting to this deep-rooted fear that I had a lot of different fears, one with my body and eating. And then I have other fears too, when it comes to like travel and just like relationships, like romantic relationships, you know, there's a whole bunch of that, I think, which stems into a lot of my um, beliefs about my body and stuff too, that I'm working on. Yeah, I've come so far and I feel so proud of myself. Um, I've also worked so hard on feeling expression and really working on expressing emotions to people around me because we were saying before, you know, how there could be messages you get when you're younger that kind of just dismiss what's going on. And I used to get, oh, you're fine. Oh, you're fine all the time. Like I was, I, and I was a very, I'm a very highly sensitive person. I was a sensitive kid. And so, you know, my sister wasn't, and she probably wouldn't cry about the same things that I did if I, you know, someone made fun of me or something and I was just fine. So stop. You're fine. Like how dismissive is that to a child? You know, you didn't feel fine. Yeah. And so do you know what happens there? The subconscious mind goes, okay, they're not seeing me. They're not checking in and making sure I'm really okay on that emotional level. I'm going to have to check in and make sure I'm okay. I'm going to have to stay hyper vigilant and make sure that I'm always fine. And that then we get into anxiety because it's when others aren't there necessarily. And there's a few different ways this can happen, but that's one I can see there. It's that like, I have to look out for myself then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And how do I do that as I get older? Because that's not how anyone can actually survive, right? With just like not having support from other people or like not talking, being open and talking about feelings. Exactly. And it's so, so healthy to do that. So yeah, we get this amazing, um, I, I think one of the gifts of anxiety is that we can understand it actually starts from a really loving place. That anxiety came in to try and love you and protect you where there were moments where that, that love wasn't, wasn't there for you that you needed. Right. And so kind of, I, I'm sort of circling back to what I was saying earlier yeah. about regression and what we can do um, with the subconscious mind is we can look at some of these stories and these things that happened and those key moments. Cause the, the mind just brings them up. You don't have to know what they are. Your subconscious mind is a genius. It just knows. It's got so much information um, that a lot of people say, I can't remember my childhood. Does this matter? No, it doesn't matter because it's all in there. It's all in your subconscious mind. And when you're in a safe enough space to explore it, you will allow it. And then we get to change what we made those moments mean. So when mom said, you're just fine, just use that as an example, when you're feeling this like, like tidal wave of emotions inside and you're being told you're fine, but you are not feeling okay. What did you make that mean? Well, maybe things like I'm not important then, you know, or I'm not, I'm not worth the time to sit down and actually talk to me about what's going on or I'm not supported as well. I'll tell you what it, what it really is, is I'm too much. Mm, Yeah. That's what, that's what my belief started being is like, I'm too much. And, you know, I'm too much is such a good one because I've had, I have that a lot too. And that's been in my past and it's, it's another sneaky way of I'm not enough actually. I'm not 
strong enough or I'm not, I'm not like my sister, you know, she's the one that's, I should be like that. I'm not enough. I'm not in control enough or whatever it might be. So all that's happened, it really doesn't matter what we've been through. We can actually shift the meaning we made from those experiences which I think is so great because how to, how oh, unfair if it's like, oh, well, you had like some bad stuff happen and that's it for you. Right. We can change the meaning and we can start to say, well, actually, no, that was nothing to do with me being enough as a, as a, as a person. This was mom in a moment of not knowing how to handle emotions and for her own reasons, and, you know, we can go into that another day, but, you know, understanding why can bring us so much peace because we can start to see Because when we were children, we couldn't zoom out and see that bigger perspective. We just saw us. Like it was just, it's my fault. That's what we tend to go to. There's something wrong with me then. Right. But now that we're adults, we can look at those circumstances and we can actually say, well, actually, you know, it wasn't my job to be the parent in that moment and manage all my emotions on my own. Um, that was something that mum wasn't feeling comfortable about in that moment for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel I feel with with a lot of that work, um, how you can kind of tell that you're progressing or that you're managing it, I guess, or regulated more is to, um, is to kind of be more aware of your bodily response, like your physical response and your emotional response around certain people that maybe if that, if they were kind of contributing to that a little bit, um, and in what situations, you know, those symptoms start to happen, like the anxiety rises. And if you're able to kind of step back and actually say, okay, listen, I know automatically you're going to think that you're not enough right now or that someone's interrupting you. That happened to me a lot. People interrupted me a lot. What you're saying is still important. So you, what I want you to do, this is how I talk to myself. I say, for example, someone's going to interrupt me and my family. I come from a huge Italian family and everyone talks all over each other. Such a trigger for me. So now um, when I am in conversations with certain people and people interrupt me, I actually say, hey, can I just finish what I was saying real quick? I just, I'm sorry. I just want to finish what I was saying real quick. And they will most, no one really gets defensive anymore in the beginning they did because they didn't understand it. I'm like, no, I, I just want to finish what I'm saying. And they're like, oh, okay, sure. And so it works for me now. It's very, <laughs> it's very hard in the beginning, but, um, and sometimes it doesn't work all the time. You know, there's like five people talking. I'm just like, you know what? I don't even want to say anything to them right now. I'll talk to, I'll talk to who wants to actually listen to me. Um, yeah. But it's a lot of like inner dialogue with yourself and just remembering that, okay, because this is happening, that doesn't mean that you're still this little girl. Like you can speak up for yourself if you want. You should, if you want, you can say how you feel and you're more aware of how you feel. Maybe you're feeling sad right now, or maybe you're feeling, you know, frustrated that that person did that, or maybe you're scared, but you're still safe. You know, like for me, that's a huge affirmation I love is I am safe because even when my body doesn't feel it, I, I say to myself, I'm safe right here. And I ground myself really well with that. And sometimes it is that matter of just like saying it over and over and over until it, like, even when it doesn't feel true. Right. Until you make it true. You make that yeah. your life story. Um, but yeah, that's that's such a powerful one to share as well. And it's it's you. It's your that it, what you've just ex, like 
demonstrated there is being the loving parent to yourself. That's reparenting. It's noticing, okay, I'm feeling a bit shut down. I'm, you know, they're speaking over me, but then saying, no, like what you have to say matters. And we're going to just, I'm going to speak up for you now. Just as like the parent might come into school and say, you know, my kid's being bullied. What's going on here? Like you're doing that for you. Yeah. Gosh, this was so amazing. I, I thank you so much for sharing just your experience and your expertise on everything. Um, I feel like we could probably talk for another couple hours. You're just so so lovely. Um, so I'd love to have you back on at some point. That would be great, and maybe I'd collaborate on the gram. Do something yeah. like maybe do a live or something. Maybe you can um, do some RTT on me live on Instagram. Oh my gosh. I mean, I would love to do that. I mean, it's we're opening a kettle of fish, but like I can prepare you and we can have little protocols to know that it's safe to do that, you know, in that setting. Yeah. But hundred percent. I'd love that. Let's talk about that when we're done here. Cause mm-hmm. I totally would be open. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you so much. Please tell everyone where they can find you. And um, I wanted to hear more about your book too. I'm sorry we didn't have time for that, but just tell everyone where they can get that too, if they want that. Of course. So I hang out mostly over on Instagram, like you mentioned, at Georgie the Naturopath is my handle. Um, and I have a podcast too. It's called the Anxiety Reset Podcast really going more into that high functioning anxiety side of things. So if you relate to all the perfectionism and the type A personality, that's, uh, that's for you. But there's also my book, The Anxiety Reset Method, and it is available for pre-order. It's out on November 7th in the US, which I'm so excited about. I'll be over in the US too, doing a couple of events to support the book too, which will be great. Um, and it's called, uh, yeah, it, I mentioned the name. It's called the anxiety reset method. And, uh, yeah, you'll be able to find it. There's also an audio book version for those who like to listen to. Yes, that'll be, that'll be my choice. I love the audio audibles. Um, and I'll put everything in the show notes and you can just send me a link of where they can pre-order it. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Fabulous. Sounds great. Okay. It was so great to chat with you. I know so many people listening got such great information from today. So I really appreciate it. And all you guys, we love you listening and come back next week. We'll have another brand new episode. And until then, happy healing. Bye, everyone. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.